Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Summertime and the living's easy. Bradley's on the microphone and SMG. All the people in the dance will agree that we're well qualified to represent the LBC. See, me and Louie, we're gonna run to the party and dance to the rhythm. It gets harder. We're DJs now. <laughs> we should just DJ instead of singing that at the beginning and get DJ back on the show too. <laughs> What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. We have another one of our fun time uh, episodes, our philosophy plus commander plus real life episodes. One of the things we've done on the show from the very beginning is apply real life concepts, teachings, and text to our favorite game format. So in the past, we have done Machiavellian mechanics what was it machinations machinations Machinations. yeah it's even i can't remember it we use the prince yeah prince yeah and then before that the uh, the second or third episode we ever did was a book that still lives behind us or somewhere on set around us yeah it's uh the art of war by sun tzu um also we did an episode on world war one the great war so yeah it's called lessons from the great war yeah this is something we like to do on the show which is kind of game theory in reverse mm-hmm. it's real life theory applied to game rather than game theory applied to real life which happens a lot turns out a lot of people have thought about life and how it works for many thousands of years so getting to use their wisdom on top of a game that we love is a fun thing to do it's a fun thought experiment uh so today we're going to do one that i studied a lot in college it's one of my favorite philosophies because it's all about chilling out and making life easier for yourself it's Taoism or living with what we call the way. But before we get into it, we got to shout out our sponsors because at the end of this, you're most definitely going to be inspired to play more Commander and to use some of these techniques. So check out cardkingdom.com slash command zone. They have all of your magic needs, cards, singles, seal products, boosters, the full art lands from Theros. There's going to be a lot of stuff that you want to purchase. Use that affiliate link you have out the show and it's as simple as that. And if you do like all that Theros stuff and you're picking it up right now, you probably also want things like Theros play mats yeah theros sleeves theros deck boxes you've seen that awesome constellation art well ultra pro makes all the products that have the licensing agreement with wizards of the coast so they have the constellation art on their play mats on sleeves and deck boxes they have all the theros themed stuff and they do that for every single set in addition to that Ultra Pro has all the best stuff that's going to protect your game pieces. So you don't want your cardboard, your cards to get dinged up, to get messed up. You want them to stay in your mint. Well, Eclipse sleeves and Ultra Pro sleeves in general are the best on the market, and they're going to keep all your stuff safe. So again, by supporting our sponsors, you really are supporting all of our content. Ultra Pro, you can pick it up almost anywhere. Yeah. And finally, the last way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. They help us out 
by far. I love our patrons. We talk to them every single day on Discord, and they also get to see game nights a day early and comment on it. Sometimes patrons have actually caught small rules errors or things that we didn't see in the first time through and be like, oh, thank you. Yeah, that card, we you know, the effect was missing. So it's pretty cool. They really do contribute to the show. Yeah, patrons have saved us on many occasions where it's like, oh, that shot, we accidentally like forgot to mask out this one thing or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and yeah. just, yeah, so we really appreciate the patrons. And in fact, we shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Don, Don Kim. Kim. Don, you rock. You rock. All, All right. Taoism and Commander, let's just jump right into it. There's a lot to discuss here. Lots of really great quotes. The Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu is also known as The Way, and it translates to The Way, The Virtue. Some people translate to The Novel or The Writings of the Ways of Virtues. There's a lot of different ways to translate it. The most common way is The Way. The Way, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's a bit pretentious. There are many ways. This is just one of them. (laughs) A a philosophical document being pretentious? I mean, (laughs) The Prince and Sun Tzu would also fall under that Yeah, The Art of War might be one of the most pretentious (laughs) names ever. All right, so Taoism is a bit unique. It doesn't actually fall under any specific organized religion. So like Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, those are all religions. The Tao, in a way, is kind of like actually a rejection of that idea of organization. It opts for a way of life that's all about bringing the follower closer to living in harmony with the world, the way, the Tao. Um, So the Tao means the way, but it's people talk about like it's a road, a path, or a doctrine. Taoism uh, describes it, and this is a bit technical way, the one which is natural, spontaneous, eternal, nameless, and indescribable is at once the beginning of all things and the way in which all things pursue their course. So you may have seen, I think a lot of movies like The Matrix kind of have ideas of this. You just like, you are becoming the one. Flow with the world, the universe. Like you have achieved nirvana. And the way sort of points at this world that is something that is indescribable and natural. Natural the is the big the one. road thing kind of, there was a phrase I used a few episodes ago, which is a quote from a Brandon Sanderson book, but it's oh. journey before destination. Ah, oh, It has a similar feeling, right? Yeah, you're going to see a lot of these philosophies echoed in modern fiction, movies, Star Wars, The Force. Like a lot of it is all kind of pointing towards a lot of these Eastern old school philosophies. Um, And there's a couple of other terms in Taoism. One is called Wu Wei, which is the leading ethical concept of Taoism. It means lacking without, and uh, Wu means lacking, and Wei means the intention or action. So Wu Wei is the idea, and this is huge in Taoism, the idea of non-action or specifically Effortless action and action without intent. But it doesn't mean that if you are following this, it means that you're not acting at all. And it's not like you're sort of sitting at home doing nothing. It just means that it's an, the your life is filled with effortless and non-willful action so that when you do something, it's natural, it is spontaneous, and you're not like putting too much thought into it because it's the natural Pro- progression of what your actions are. This is going to be really interesting because that seems like the opposite of how I play <laughs> Commander. Yeah, and Taoism has all these paradoxical expressions like, those who are crooked will be perfected. Those who are bent will be straight. Those who are empty will be full, which makes no sense uh, until you start sort of learning more about Taoism. And the last term we'll learn is Ziran, which is the central value of Taoism. Ziran man just translates to naturalness or self-organization. So it's sort of like, this is the primordial state. This is where everything's going to return to in order to have to live within the way in that peace. Um, and a lot of metaphors in Taoism, one of the biggest one is the idea of the uncarved block or uncut wood. So original nature prior to the imprints of culture on the rest of your life is that state. That's what Taoism is trying to return you back to. So knowing all this, what color, Josh, do you think Taoism best represents? Let's bring it back to magic. Um, boy, you said 
blo- you know, going back to like wood and nature. So I'm going to say green. Yep. Makes perfect sense. It's all about, you know, green is like, let it, let nature decide what happens. Right. We're not trying to manipulate this at all. Uh, we're trying to get to the balance and the pattern of life. Like these are all words that are in cards too, like pattern. Pattern rebirth. Rebirth, yeah. Balance. Well, that's a white card, but... <laughs> A band white card. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Uh, So we need things to sort of take their course. And if they're going to grow and change over time, it's better if we find it the most natural way of doing so. Um, A lot of people compare Confucianism to Taoism, but Confucianism is actually closer to blue because Confucianism is all about proactivity and they want to tamper and orchestrate change, make educational structures, add sort of like their own control to the world to make it better. Taoists like are people that are like, hands off the wheel. This is the better way to go. Uh, so confusions, yeah, they want to engineer reality, which is definitely a blue thing. So the idea of why Taoism, because isn't magic all about being proactive, doesn't inaction sort of invalidate what the game is about? And the answer is yeah and no. These kinds of episodes, I think, aren't meant to sort of pick apart these sayings and try and 100% match them with the game that we're playing. I think a lot of these parts of these episodes are like, learn about philosophies, learn about why they work and why people apply them to their lives and see what ways we can actually apply these to like our playgroup and your actual gameplay in general. Because in the art of war, like not all of it's about going and causing war. A lot of it's about how do you stay back? How do you hold information and not be active? So Taoism, I think we're going to find similarities. It's there. that thinking orthogonally or cross applying mm-hmm. lessons learned. A lot of like power executives at Fortune 500 companies read <laughs> art of war, but they're not sending troops into literal battle. It's right. metaphorical war that they're talking about and this is kind of how you take these lessons and use them they're Uh, playing 4d chess as we like to say yeah exactly you're you're yeah you're finding analogs and using metaphors to apply it yeah okay so let's talk about quotes this is the best part of all these episodes there's (laughs) so many incredible quotes we have four pages of them ahead of us so the first one we'll start off with are ones that sort of relate more to the game and this one i liked because it kind of is related to politicking which is Truthful words are not always beautiful, nor beautiful words the truth. <laughs> it's very de- very deceiving, right? Right. Like, if I told you the truth about, let's say we're playing a game and things are not going well, if I just laid the truth out to someone, you're not going to make that person happy if it's, like, really brutal what you're saying. Like, you're just making this unfun for everyone. No one's going to be, everyone's going to stop, freeze, and go, well, you did say the truth, but it definitely was not a beautiful way of delivering that message. And right. so, is it the best way of doing so? Maybe not. On the opposite end of the spectrum, too, beautiful language won't always cover up the truth, right? Yeah. Like, if you're, like, trying to make a situ- ameliorate a situation or if you're the threat and you're trying to basically, like, code it in a bunch of crap that makes other people go, well, maybe it isn't as bad. It's actually not necessarily something that you kind of have to be on the lookout for that because if you are in a position of power, you don't want people to think that it's as ugly as it actually is. Right. Like, oh, you're in a real bad losing position, but I'm not going to tell you that. Or a lot of times you're like, yeah, but, you know, this one thing gets destroyed and it all falls apart. Yeah. Like, you know, or X, Y, Z. And, you know, you might be saying the truth, but you're choosing a very deliberate way of saying the truth to sort of shape the mentality of how people treat it around the table. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, don't be fooled by beautiful words yourself, but also know that you might not be as successful as you are trying to be if you're trying to sort of hide the truth with your words, your elegant prose. We all, elegant prose. Yeah, we all know there's there's smooth talkers, right? It, it works. It I, works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. I think the real trick is knowing when one's going to work and when it's not. Yeah. Right? It's not that don't ever use beautiful words and it's not always always tell all the truth and it's not never tell the truth. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. recognizing those instances where the one will help you more than the other will. 
Yeah, I think in day to day, we talk so much with other people, we interact so much that you kind of, it all kind of like becomes the same current almost. You forget that sometimes certain things might ring a little less true just because you're not paying as much attention. So maybe it is about paying attention. <laughs> all right, the next quote, I'll read it. Do you have the patience to wait until your mud settles and the water is clear? I think this is definitely something that new players could take a big mm -hmm. note of, which is sometimes things do seem very dire and things are muddled and crazy and someone has stirred up the water uh, and it you get trigger happy. You know, it's like, I, I think things, I don't have the patience to wait because things seem so dire right now that if I don't remove this at this moment, you know, I'm going to play this instant at sorcery speed, which I see a lot just out of panic and out of like, I just don't want to think about it anymore when sometimes it's not the best strategic choice to make. I think this is one of... This is interesting. I'm not very familiar with Taoism. So coming across this quote, I haven't seen it in this context before, but one of my philosophies like in general in life, and I think one of the things that may, has made me successful in endeavors mm -hmm. is not just knowing what the correct decision is to make, but also understanding that there is a time to make the decision. Right. When you make a decision can be as important as what decision you make. And I like what you said there about how the fact that there's a decision looming that you know you have to make puts a mental strain on you. And sometimes you will make the decision at the wrong time just to alleviate that stress. Right. Just to, yes. You don't want it. But that is not necessarily the right time to make the decision, which means you then made the wrong decision because maybe that decision is correct, but at the wrong time, it now becomes incorrect. So learning to wait and make the decision at the proper time when you have the most information possible or when, you know, it's very easy, like, I got to destroy that thing, but right. oh, maybe that thing's good if it attacks somebody else. And you can make a really big mistake where you use a card to destroy a card that wasn't a threat to you right now and was actually going to help you. And that kind of thinking in life in general, all the time here at the office, we'll be talking about something. I'll be like, okay, but we're not going to worry about that right now because a lot of things could happen that would change our decision. We don't know about them. So let's just wait. We'll make that decision later. We'll concentrate on the decisions that need to be made now. Yeah, it's kind of like learning how to pack for a trip, too, sometimes, which is like, do I need warm clothes this trip? It's like, well, you're not going to know until like maybe a week, two weeks before what the temperature and stuff is going to look like. So you could pack incorrectly, even though you're supposed to do this thing at some point. Yeah, the timing of it really does matter. In like, I've seen this happen a lot of times, too, where people get tricked into thinking it's a safe time to play out their threats. Someone just board wiped, like, perfect. Now's the time that I can just dump out my hands. Like, well, did you ever consider that someone else might be waiting and holding their board wipe app because that person just used theirs? So it kind of definitely gives this idea, which is, like, make sure you really, like, look at the, the macro of the game. And we talk, talk about this in gaming all the time. What does the game look like in the beginning, middle, and end? Where are you in that? And why are you playing the way you are? So yeah, you don't make sort of, like, a bad decision at the wrong time. Yeah, I think every decision you go to make in the game, in life, or whatever, not just is that the decision I should be making, but the second question should be like, okay, but should I be making that decision now? Or can I push it downstream? Will I? Ha will it become better for me to make that decision later? Will I get more? Is there possibly more information coming in or other things yeah. happening that are going to influence that decision? And if so, a lot of times make the decision at the last possible moment. Not last possible. L the most efficient. The most moment. efficient, yeah. Yeah, the, the time at which listen, if I don't make it now, it's only going to get worse for me to decide. I'm going to have le less information or less time to act or whatever. So yeah. if you have a sorcery, we always talk about this, your window is smaller, which is one of the reasons that makes them a lot worse mm -hmm. because you just have less time, less f flexibility of time of when to make that decision to use it. You have to use it on your turn. So Yeah. We definitely do encourage the instant speed things, interactions. I mean, I've gotten to the, the point moment. where like sorcery speed answers are just 
They don't feel good at all. I just don't play them anymore. Even <laughs> if they're great in general, I just will not play them, you know, them very often at all. And I'm a person that puts Vidalcan Ori in every single deck. So there, even my sources have a possibility of being played at flash speed, but I still just, it just doesn't feel great to have, even if it's the right answer for the right thing to have to be constrained to like, yeah, but you got to use it during this one quarter of the game. And then you pass the turn to three people, yeah. right? So we talk about how to use your mana efficiently all the time. What we always say it in game two, when are you pulling the trigger? Yep. All right. Next quote. If you try to change it, you will ruin it. Try to hold it and you will lose it. So Taoism is a lot about reactivity and not purposefully trying to change or alter things, right? They kind of want things to return to the way. And here Lao Tzu is saying, don't hold on to something to change it because it's going to be ruined or lost. And I think commander things can actually be a little different because when you change the outcome of a situation, it can like... If you have enough cards in the advantage to fix the situation, then sometimes changing it is what you need to do. You need to be the proactive player. But I think this is sort of saying that like it's different than trying to just use your words. Like it's really awkward at tables when I try to when someone's made up their mind and you're like, I I gotta change your mind. You you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, and you really belay that point over and over and over again. And sometimes I think it's important to let players do what they're going to do no matter what and plan more about what's gonna happen as a result of it instead of trying to stop something from happening that may happen no matter how hard you try to stop it yeah because you can paint yourself in a real corner where if you convince yourself you can convince them yeah of something different but you can't it, your time would have been much better spent saying like okay well this is going to happen now what's my response to that going to be how can i get ready for it so how can i maybe not deploy into into that threat or how can i get ready for oh that is going to be a threat that's going to come at me or tell the table like hey this is going to happen so yeah. like what's the after of this going to look like what's the mud going to look like when it settles yeah exactly we can't hope that it's not going to it's going to so what's the next step of that plan yeah interesting there's always a next step i i yeah i think also like it, it reminds me a little bit of that episode it was a game nights episode a while ago where i knew you had cyclonic rift and right. i was like well he has it I still have to swing into it and make you use it. Because, mm -hmm. listen, I wish you didn't have Cyclonic Rift, <laughs> right? I wish he didn't, but he does. Given that he does, my best play is actually just to make him use it. it there's no amount of hoping on my part is going to make him not have it. Yeah. And all the other paths make it stronger for him because right. he doesn't have to use it right now. And so it's just like, okay, yeah, it doesn't matter what I wish happened. This is what's happening. I'm just going to make the best of that situation. Yeah, especially if you look around the table and you know no one else is going to be able to legitimately do the thing that needs to happen, right? right? And then you can kind of turn that to your advantage. Like, look, you guys can't put pressure on. You can't force this out of their hand. I'll have to do it. I'm going to do it. And it's kind of like all of us trying to get you to use Plasm Capture in that last Yeah, game. exactly. It's just like, someone's got just like, all right, I'm tapping it all out. Maybe this will happen. Maybe this will work just to release that soft lock. Yep. All right, the next quote is, a leader is best when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will say, we did it ourselves. This is like politicking one. Yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> Do what the people want. Like smooth politicking really is, it's just like, if you can say less and make more happen, I would take that option almost every time than blabbing a ton and making a small change happen. Because then you get known for different things. And being able to just say like, uh-oh, when the right thing happens and you know you have the attention of the table, boom, you just led every single person into joining a shared thought about something. And then you, what you did is like you threw a rock in a river and the ripples are going out everywhere, but no one knows you tossed the rock in. Right. They just see the ripples. Yeah. Uh, and that idea that they will say we did it ourselves is this idea that when they make a decision, they don't feel 
like they were forced into it. Yeah, or they if you, owe if you, you for, If you do yeah. politics right or you do the social dynamic part right, you lead them to the decision you want them to make without them knowing they were led there. They kind of feel like, yeah, I, yeah this is what I want to do, not like mm-hmm. this is what Jimmy told me to do or thinks I should do. Yeah, no uh, one likes that. But that's very, it's very difficult to do it, right? <laughs> it's super, super difficult. It takes a lot of subtlety in the moment. I think too, like a lot of times you want people to say, yeah, like, oh yeah, Jimmy, you are right you did tell us to do the right thing. Like that's a satisfying thing to hear as well, but sometimes it's important to let that part of you go because what are you really holding on to there? If you wanted something to happen, shouldn't you be happy if it happens no matter what? Do you need the credit, you know, to make it feel like you made it happen? Not really. I mean, I think with all this stuff, sometimes yeah, sometimes no, but uh, having both uh, things in your toolbox make you a more well-rounded and better player. So yeah, because sometimes definitely I think I would would say that it, it is good to be known as the person at the table that's, you know, got the alliance thing going or whatever and is le- sort of leading the charge towards whatever and rallying, you know, the goodwill or whatever against the one bad player. Sometimes it's good to be that person yeah. in the point position, but sometimes also it's good to be the person who's like, seems to be going with the flow, but is actually subtly manipulating things in their direction. Well, it's kind of like the gotta give some to get some whole thing. Like you gotta, you have to play both sides of the coin. Otherwise people will start distrusting the only side of the coin they see every single time. Cause it's like, yeah, Josh is usually right about his threat assessment, but he's always doing so because he's trying to protect himself. So right. like, what is he trying to hide in there? You know, if you only act one way, people are going to start picking that part apart, that way apart. And it's also, uh, we talked about this a while ago now, but one of the things I started doing was just being sort of quote unquote, less political, political during games. And I don't think I'm really actually less political, but I'm, I'm less overt yeah. with my politics. So you almost like, care less about controlling it from a top-down perspective. You're just like, I'm just going to let things happen and then maneuver through that kind of. Yeah. a lot. How many times am I like, nope, that's, you know, the deal got made, good, that's yeah. cool, we'll move <laughs> on to the next thing. And that's actually being political. But that's me saying, like, I'm not involved in the politics, which I 100% am. But right. that actually puts people at ease to where maybe I can actually maneuver better in that situation than I can where if I'm very overbearing and now in you know trying to be in charge of the politics or really in the mix yeah. then they're less likely to trust me because it's like ah Josh is being so political I'm totally not going to listen to him whereas yeah. the guy that's like yeah fine yeah you made the deal that's cool whatever I'm just doing my thing over here that person can actually manipulate you subtly because you think oh they're, they're not even worried about it yeah there's this thing that I've been thinking a lot about recently which is the idea of how every experience in game is unique on its own you do carry in prior history and different colors of how people treat you and react to you but if each game is like its own individual fractal and at some point you're like in this game I'm not going to be as politically overt then you actually change the shape of how the game works because maybe then people are going to make more fun deals and maybe through that fun deal you're going to find an advantage that you would never have had if it's a table where everyone's like well I don't really want to politic because once we get into it it gets really intense I don't like it so you can actually change the tenor and tone of games when you get to sort of do like play both sides of the coin and understand that there's different roles that you can enter into each time but still stay really true to yourself it's really fun to like just say things like that at the beginning of a game too like hey you know I made a conscious like I'm just going to be less overtly political. And I've been doing that for months and months now. And you have more fun, right? Well, I'd say the fun before is roughly equivalent. But the great thing is knowing like, oh, I can do both things now. Like, (laughs) you know, like, oh, I can. But but I think for a while, like that was my style. It was very, I think if you watch early episodes of Game Nights and even just watch like the last dozen or so, you'll notice a big difference if you pay attention. Mm -hmm. And that was my style was comfortable there and pushing outside your comfort zone. Now all of a sudden I have 
I think I'm a better player because now I can play if, right. in both things. Now, if somebody else is very overtly political, I can handle that. And if some, you know what I mean? Like I've played on both sides of it. So I understand what's going on too. And I feel like that just makes me a more well-rounded player. And also we always talk about like experiment, practice, try stuff. If you just do the same thing all the time, you stop growing at a certain point. So pushing yourself to just, hey, let's see how this game is. If I just act in a different way, you'll find things that you would never have found if you just play the same way you always do. You always do. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. And we have a lot more exciting quotes coming up. But first, we're going to take a small break and hear from our sponsors. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps because when it comes to getting the most out of your home you can do this when you angie that download the free angie mobile app today or visit angie.com that's a-n-g-i.com angie's list is now angie and we've heard a lot of theories about why i thought it was an eco move Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. All right, we're back and we are discussing Taoism and the way and how it relates and sort of the analogs and the metaphors that can be taken and learned from and used in games of Magic and Commander. Yep, and we have a bunch of quotes remaining and these are some really fun ones. We're going to keep talking about quotes that relate to the game and then a couple of quotes that relate more to the playgroup at large. All right, the next quote is a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) Doing nothing is better than being busy doing nothing. 
That's just hilarious. I just love this quote. There's such a deep, deep wisdom to it. For me, this is like me putting my cards down and being like, I'm out of answers. I can't do anything. Instead of sort of like humming and hawing and being like, oh, what are we going to do about this? And blah, blah, blah. It's like, what are you really doing? You're being busy doing nothing. Sometimes it is better to find some peace with the situation and look at it from a different angle, right? Like take yourself out of the mentality that's sort of driving all of your focus towards one thing. Take a break. Take a look out. Look at what, what, how other players are reacting, what cards are being played, what are the actual answers. And I think that's when you find, oh, this is how I'm going to get out of this situation. Yeah, tunnel vision can so hurt you. Yeah. And sometimes just like, yeah, that lean back you do. I'm doing nothing. I got nothing. We'll actually open your eyes to something that maybe you wouldn't have noticed if you didn't do that. Yeah. Don't, don't be engaged in the crisis of your own making, right? <laughs> which I see happen all the time. People like work themselves up into, and this happens in life too, where all of a sudden the fact that you have to go pick up your dog later today has become the biggest thing in the world, the hardest task you will ever do. It's like, well, take a breath. Maybe it's not so bad. It's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. All right. If you do not change direction, you may end up where you are heading. <laughs> that sounds like Confucianism right I know, right? right? It's, it's so beautiful because it's so simple. It's like, hey, if you don't change direction, you're going to reach the destination you're trying to reach. It's like, wow, that's actually, yep, that's true. <laughs> the simplicity there just makes me like, you know, sometimes where you are heading, I think the, the, the intention of the quote is sometimes you don't realize where exactly you're heading. So if, you, if you're like, I'm on this path of, like we were talking about earlier, being super political, super controlling of the board state. If you don't change direction, where you're going to end up is people are going to find and treat you a certain way at the end of the game because of how you acted the whole time. So I think it's just like, be really conscious of the decisions you make and where you're taking your energy and your direction in the game because it will ultimately affect the player's reactions to you around the table, how you feel about a situation and how other players feel about you. You know, this immediately reminds me of uh, and we used to get a lot of these emails, and I got to say, we get less of them now. So I don't know if that's because we've answered this question a bunch yeah, of times yeah. or because we've actually helped people and they're not having this problem. But we used to get a lot of people, which is my playgroup always targets and kills me first. And it was almost always because they built like decks were maybe a little too powerful for what their friends were doing. Mm -hmm. And their friends basically got taught as we were learning beings that like we have to kill Mel first every single game because her decks are oppressive and if we don't, then we have, we'll have no fun. Yep. And then Mel's equivalent in the playgroup would email us being like, hey, my playgroup always kills me first. What do I Why? do about it? And I'd always be like, you did this to yourself. Mm -hmm. Now you have to undo it. And this is a great one. It's way better to not get to the position where you're emailing us to realize this is starting to happen. Change direction so you don't end up, end up at that destination because that destination is my playgroup kills me first every time and shows me no mercy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, hey, you had fun for a little while just stomping all over them, but they're going to take retribution by it. you're not going to have fun for a long time now. And it's harder to fix the longer that it goes on. So you see that destination on the horizon of uh, maybe I'll change direction. Maybe uh, maybe Mel should stop playing Vorinclex. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She's, she doesn't. Yeah, exactly. She thought Craig would, what was it? A the monster. jerk card for jerks? A jerk card for jerks. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> That's the direction Craig was heading, I guess. All right. All streams flow to the sea because it is lower than they are. Humility gives it its power. If you want to govern the people, you must place yourself below them. If you want to lead the people, you must learn how to follow them. So it's flowing to the sea because of just literal direction. It's going to go in a downward path towards until it meets the ocean. And it's saying that's humility gives the power for the stream from a higher up place to get to a new location. So it's interesting because it's, you know, Taoism is all about returning to the way. So if you start up higher, that's your energy is actually being given to you because you're able to get to the lower points and see from other people's perspectives. So 
I think this is a good lesson on how to be a better leader in general. So you got to put on the other shoe, see how it fits. And if you can position yourself in the new player's shoes, for example, if you're playing for them for the first time, you might understand, oh, that's why my table always wants to kill me. It's because I am coming at them from like a pub stomp mentality almost from playing these awful mean cards and jerk cards. But I don't understand from a new player's perspective why that might just be so unfun, even if like I can explain to them all day, but I'll never understand why they really don't like it unless I get to be in their position and feel what it feels like to them. Yeah, I think it works really well as an analogy with new players in general, which is just keeping in mind their perspective and not playing too fast, not trying to like overrun them with complexity or right. just, just putting yourself in their shoes and being like, this might be confusing, so let me just make this easy for you so that you have a good time because ultimately going down to and understanding their perspective will let you have more fun in the long run because if they like magic and <laughs> playing commander, you have more people now to play with yep. and more people in your play group and more people having fun will just generally be good for you. Yeah. yeah. If you want to lead, you must learn how to follow. Really great quote. All right. Loss is not as bad as wanting more. Hmm. Well, I will say this. You lose probably the hard majority of Commander games you play. And I think the danger of playing a game like Commander or board games in general, and this is something I've learned from playing tons and tons of board games, is the more you want to win, you really kind of ruin the experience for yourself a bit because you forget that the game is a game and you're playing with multiple people. And statistically, you're not supposed to come out of that situation on the majority side of winning. So I think sometimes like learning that loss is fun or learning that loss is more of an opportunity to learn. Getting second or third in the commander game isn't the end of the world can really benefit your mental health and the way you treat these games too. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. We're playing commander. It's not a pro tour format. Nobody's going to a <laughs> mythic invitational or championship and winning a big prize pool because of commander. So if you want to be in a format where that's your goal, you won't be playing this one, you know, as much. Uh, but when you're playing commander, you could play both, obviously. I think there are people that enjoy competitive formats and enjoy commander both. But I think the problem comes when you're trying to make one into the other. So mm. commander is like a casual format to be hung out with friends. And obviously, I'm not talking about CEDH people. I think they can still enjoy it in the right with the right mind frame. Yeah. I'm not trying to put them down in any way. I'm just saying like perspective is always good. You're not going to make a career out of being a commander player. And so when you're in the middle of the game and things are going badly, yeah, it is good to be able to step back and look for what can be fun about it or what's fun about it rather than wallow in the the misery the tilt. Of, yeah, yeah yeah the tilt yeah, yeah. Straight up. and i think this does help with tilt is just kind of keeping perspective yeah i mean you will you will see many quotes from many famous uh, you know sports athletes and stuff and talking about how their losses and their failures have given them the most growth by far right all right a good traveler has no fixed plans and is not intent on arriving I like this a lot because this is kind of how I play Commander sometimes, which is like, yep, I put in the card draw, I put in the ramp, and I put in the loose plan. Let's see where the game takes me. Uh, and obviously, this is very different for games of CEDH who have like exact win scenarios that they need to fulfill in order to get there. I think like for me personally, I like not holding on to my preconceived notions of a game super hard and just having fun and understanding that whatever I do end up drawing off the top of my library is going to maybe determine the course of the game and I don't need to worry and stress so much about controlling every aspect of it because at a certain point, it's almost untenable. It's way too stressful. Yeah, this is... I don't know. This is a tough one, although I've started building my decks. I think we've talked about this on the show with less tutors and things to sort of keep them in that nice power level range, which is a little bit... One foot in, uh, no fixed plans, uh, yeah. and not intent on arriving. Although I, I do want my deck to like do what I designed it to do. 
Um, but when it doesn't, I guess I my brain is always like, okay, well, how can I retool this thing so that it will? Right. Um, so I don't know. I don't. I don't know how I feel about this quote exactly. I think maybe the the thing that I like is you're not intent on arriving. It doesn't mean that you don't plan to arrive, but you don't aim at a oh. specific intention of like I got to get there like this no matter what. Actually, okay. So when you put it in those terms, light bulb goes off in my head, mm-hmm. and I think this actually this line of thought, if you follow that, actually makes you a better player. Which is you have plans, you have a way you built the deck, and yet you don't close yourself off to other opportunities and options that come up so right and this works for traveling i've done this before which is very very fun which is like i'm gonna go here and then i'm gonna go here but i'm leaving a bunch of time so that hey we find out about a cool thing that's in between those places or out of the way or whatever we're gonna be able to go do that rather than nope on sunday we have to be in this city and blah 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 then you feel like, oh, but oh, there's this really cool thing we heard about, but we just don't have time to do it. And, yeah. you know, like how it's, a, it's some far-flung corner of the world and what's the likelihood we ever come back here and that sucks and you're disappointed. Whereas if you just left yourself time for you don't know what, but stuff, you would be maybe happier at the outcome of that tra- that trip or that that journey. And I think that's probably true a lot of the time. And I think in Commander, the way to port that over is to say, yeah, you have a plan and you have a whatever, but sometimes you're like, oh, but if I copy Altar of Dementia, I'm supposed, <laughs> I'm supposed to put equipment on my creatures and swing for a lot of damage. But in this case, mm. you know, if I copy Altar of Dementia, I can mill my opponent out. And, and if you don't, if you're not open to those lines of play and you're only thinking my deck does this one thing and I have to do it, yeah. then maybe you don't see those cool win cons and you don't get those cool stories. Well, sometimes that happens too. And it feels really bad when a player has like a thing that they're trying to set up and they pass turn. They're like, I just need one more turn to set this up. And by the time it gets back to them, the tenor and the table has changed so much that if they really try to keep focusing on that plan, it's not going to be as effective. It's not going to work as well. So it's one of those things, like you said, that tunnel vision can definitely give you a, it loses the scope of how fun things could be otherwise. Yeah, we had a game on Game Nights where you were in New Zealand. Uh, Cassius and Kyle Hill, Hill were here and we were playing the pre-cons for Commander 2018. Oh, yeah. And he had the Estrid deck. And at one point in the game, he got very tunnel visioned on the fact that he wanted to ultimate the his ultimate. Estrid. Yeah, that's right. And I think that actually cost him the game because he just kind of, was tunnel vision on like, I want to do that and didn't really play to his other outs or open up his strategies like, what else can my deck do so that if that ultimate happens, that's great, but I'm also planning for if it doesn't happen or or looking for other lines right. of play that might be better. Um, and I think ultimately, like you'll win a lot more games of Commander if you're open-minded about what your destination is. Hey, my deck's supposed to do X, but is there anything else cool that's available to me that maybe I didn't plan for that I could do? Because that is that better? It might be. Yeah, the Planeswalker Ultimate might be the most tantalizing goal. Because you're so close and you're like, I'm I'm going to bend everything I have to try and make that happen. And it's like, uh, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't bend everything you have to make that happen. Maybe you should hope that happens, but also look around and be like, actually, this other strategy might be better than trying to get to that Planeswalker Ultimate. Yeah, or look like in the 5% that this does work, it's the coolest thing ever. But in the 95% chance it doesn't, how bad is it? Yeah. Turns out pretty bad. Okay, next up, the best fighter is never angry. Interesting. Interesting. Now, I think we've seen this in a lot of movies that say no to this. It's like, oh, the, you know, they really got angry and they really got passionate, and that's when they won the fight. If it's the Hulk, it's just objectively an incorrect quote. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but, yeah, but I think we see the other side a lot too, which is anger really can cloud mm-hmm. your decision making and really mess up. It's it's another form of tunnel vision almost, whereas calmness is generally regarded as the 
better perspective from which to make wise choices. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love, it's like comparing someone like the Hulk again to someone like Bruce Lee, who never lets his emotions get in the right. way of his fight. He's being reactive. He's seeing what you're doing and counteracting that. I think you definitely do yourself a disservice when you're just upset in general and making decisions in life and in games. You're going to make more irrational decisions. You're going to make them more quickly. You're not going to think them through as much, and you may end up hurting someone on the other end of it too, which is never a good thing. That's why we like teach kids like, hey, count to 10. It's trying to give yourself just a little bit of take a deep breath, gain perspective, rebalance, resettle, so that, yeah, that thing that was your gut reaction response, if it's out of anger you're probably not thinking long-term about it, and it's probably not the wisest of courses. Maybe we should have commander players start counting to 10 <laughs> in situations that start to get crazy. No, no, I want them to make bad decisions <laughs> when they're angry. Count to two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next quote is, when I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. This one, I think, is actually really relevant uh, if we are going to bring up the Altar of Dementia play, which is just like my deck in the last game nights, for those of you who have seen it, is a deck that wants to equip creatures and hit people as hard as you can in the face. And the way I won was completely out of that. But the option was available because I let go of what I was and I became what I might be, which in this case was a little more flexible than I originally intended. But keeping my eyes open to that opportunity is what got me there, not tunnel visioning. Visioning. Yeah. And those are the best wins too when you they sort are of... super satisfying. Yeah. When you sort of... Because, yeah, you're smart. You feel like, oh, I came up with a thing that like I had to reach way outside to find <laughs> that. Like I had to look for that. That wasn't like what I was thinking of when I designed the deck. So. Yeah. That might be the definition of play to your outs in yeah. Taoism, right? Yeah. Okay. So the next quotes are more applicable to real life as well as gaming. So we would like to thank you for sticking around for these episodes because we're not talking about cards specifically, but I, I think these are my favorite times of lessons when it comes to Commander. Okay. This I one, mean, we're big on games um, informing how you live your life and how you live your life informing games. Like they're, yeah. in a lot of ways, that's why games exist and why they're created. They're testing grounds and ways to apply and experiment. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I think a lot of people love games. And I, I firmly believe for a long time that like who you are in game is really a, a reflection of who you are in life in a lot of ways. Like it's a, it's a metaphor. Yeah. And, and at a very base level, you might be able to hide it or, or, mess with it sometimes but in general like who you are is going to come out in a game yeah like all the way down to who do you choose as your character in the video game for a fighting game or who do you choose as your commander and how do you build your deck they're all reflections of yourself which is great because this first quote that we're going to talk about here is probably one of the most famous Lao Tzu quotes knowing others is intelligence knowing yourself is true wisdom mastering others is strength mastering yourself is true power I think a lot of what society can sometimes teach us, which is incorrect, which is like, you need to know what everyone else is going to do so that you're better prepared. But a lot of the times the big struggle is like, we, we, maybe we don't spend enough time thinking about ourselves and what we want in life and what we need to master in our own control and our own discipline in order to really have real power. But we kind of confuse it by saying, oh, I need to control other people when really the, it's all about like self-care. You know, a lot of like knowing your own desires, pinpointing your own problems is going to let you actually have control and power over them instead of trying to exert that energy on someone else to try and fix something that's inside you. This reminds me, I used to be a big uh, StarCraft player and StarCraft 2. And <clears throat> there was this thing because it turns out the Koreans are just really, really good at StarCraft. So they good. just crush everybody at it all the time. They had a whole television channel just dedicated to StarCraft Brood War for a long time. They were the mecca and the center of StarCraft and RTSs. And they're still very much so mm -hmm. for video games in general. And uh, 
I don't remember who it was. It might have been Day Nine or his brother or one of these commentators or somebody talking about sort of the difference between how Easterners, the Koreans specifically, played StarCraft and Westerners played StarCraft. And Westerners were way more enamored of trying to hide their plans from their opponent mm. and get like a surprise something or other. But Easterners were generally more about really, really concentrating on their execution and what they were doing and being just better at it. And they, in some regards, didn't care if you knew what they were doing. Because it was coming anyway. <laughs> but they were just going to do it so good that it didn't matter that you knew. Interesting. And I think we see this in games all the time. Uh, football is a really good one where you'll be in certain situations where you could yell at the defense, we're going to student body right, We're gonna. it's a running play. And right. you're just saying, but we're just going to execute it and you just cannot stop it. Yeah. And that can be the most powerful move in a lot of places. And there's this idea, I think, in Western culture of like, you never want your opponents to know what you're doing. But that's not always always correct. Sometimes just do it the best and or do it really well. And the outcome will actually be better than if you'd spent a bunch of time trying to obfuscate it. Yeah, that's actually, that's an amazing point. I didn't really I didn't realize that they compared the two like that. And it could just also be that, you know, Western culture is individualistic. It's focused on the individual and Eastern culture is a collectivist culture. So it's focused more on the group. So there could be an interesting thing is like if you're an individual, maybe you do want to hide yourself and feel a little more special that you did this cool thing. Whereas the collectivist culture is like, no, we're all part of this thing. We're all doing it together. The way that you rise above is by being the best version of yourself. And it's a generality too, right? Of course, yeah. there were players in the Eastern culture that played more like the Westerners and vice versa, of course. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah but they were general, generalities that I thought were pretty interesting, I like especially the, I like the me being like an East meets West person anyway, a hoppa as we call it <laughs> in Hawaiian. Like I'm half European, I'm half Asian. So Josh, you were the ultimate gamer. Or, or I just, <laughs> or I do both wrong. Like <laughs> I'm not good at deceit and I'm not good at <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up. Time is a created thing. To say I don't have time is like saying I don't want to. Oh boy. This is this is deep, man. I mean, it's true, right? I often say that life is actually a series of just triages. Mm -hmm. So it's just prioritizing the choices that you have. Um, yeah, a lot of times that's how I look at decisions. It's like, okay, well, here's the choices. And when you lay it out, like what's the most important, do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I think a lot of times we give ourselves really convenient excuses not to do stuff. And it's not, and the, whenever you say like, well, I don't have time to do it. You're actually just saying, I don't want to do it. And maybe the more important question is asking yourself why you're putting the excuse of I don't have time in front of you. Because if you really do want to do something, big or small, you're going to find a way to do it. And the thing I always say in life is that if there's two people that want something, the person that's going to get it is just the person that literally wants it more. Right. And that means execution-wise, are you going to spend the time to edit it and do this thing that you've been trying to work on for a long time? Or are you going to keep saying, I will, I hope, I want to, right? Like the, even the words that we use sort of put these boundaries in front of us. So I like the idea that time is a created thing. And there's you can go so deep on this, which is like, what is time? Are humans special because we experience and understand time? But I do like the, the idea that it's really up to you where you invest your time and how you decide to use it. Yeah, I mean, taking that responsibility on yourself and saying like, yeah, I wish I could do that thing. Yeah, that's not really what's happening there. Right. You're saying this other thing is what I'm choosing over that thing. Mm -hmm. Right? And it could be a multitude of other things. Yeah. Of I, I wish I could do this, but you're just sleeping in. Or yeah. you're spending that extra 30 minutes watching TV instead. You know, there's a lot of things that add up to sort of, like you said, like obfuscate what you're actually trying to get at. It's a good one. Uh, it sucks because I'm always like, I don't have time. I know. <laughs> I, I mean, I say it all the time. I don't have time. Sorry. Yeah, just don't tell everyone I tell that to that I'm really saying, <laughs> sorry, I can't prioritize Yeah, just that. skip these yeah. minutes of the episode. 
All right. The next one is respond intelligently, even to unintelligent treatment. Oh boy, this is hard. Yeah. The thing I think here to really state first is that unintelligent treatment doesn't mean the person that's treating you that way is unintelligent. We're not calling anyone stupid here. We all have moments in our lives when we do things unintelligently. And I think that's a human, completely normal thing to do. But this is sort of just like be a bigger person. You know, don't don't let something tilt you in a way that you don't need to get tilted by. Um, I think this happens a lot in games and in play groups. Someone might say something and it's like, well, look, look past the person that said it. Look past and look at why they may have said that instead. Look at the deeper issue. If someone that you're having trouble with a player because they keep getting X, Y, and Z or angry or whatever it is, I think responding unintelligently would just be like at face value being like, I don't like you. I don't want to talk to you anymore. It's like, yeah, that is a way of dealing with it. But if this is someone that you care about as a friend, this is someone that you actually want to play magic with, there is a better way to respond intelligently to what may feel like unintelligent treatment because there's going to be something else behind it. I mean, I like to take time to consider what my responses would be and what the likely outcome of those responses Mm -hmm. are, you know, not what I wish the response would be on the other side, but you try and play a couple uh, moves ahead in chess, being like, okay, I can do this, I can do this, and I can do that. And the response to this is going to be A, B. The response mm-hmm. to this will be this. And then this, which one of those paths looks better for me? Regardless of which response I would like to take, I would also, this is how you look at things like a gamer, right? I would also like at the end for the outcome to be the most positive as possible. Mm-hmm. So what path can I take here to reach the best likely outcome. And a lot of times it's not the one that your gut says because you're maybe making a decision when you're angry or something. Yeah, like emotional, that. yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah. That's, it's similar to the don't make decisions when you're angry, which is like take a deep breath, consider your options, respond intelligently, which doesn't always mean respond nicely. Right. It doesn't always sometimes, you know, it just depends. But it, it does mean like consider under unintelligent treatment (laughs) unintelligent treatment i like that um yeah just i think if you just handle a lot of situations in life like a gamer which is thinking of not just what's my move but what's the response to that move and what's the likely outcome based on my move the response my counter move yeah you know when i play that out in my mind that kind of decision making that affects like what card do i play on this turn what sets you up better down the road to win the ultimate game at the end of it, have the best outcome, not just like, how do I... Because it's otherwise, it's like killing that creature, then they play a better creature, and you're like, crap, I wish I would have saved my removal <laughs> spell. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a level of... Uh, and this ties right into the next quote, which is like, can you disassociate yourself from the situation to see it more clearly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Well, right. speaking of the next quote, it says, to attain knowledge, add things every day. To attain wisdom remove things every day yeah this is this is really deep knowledge and wisdom are similar but they are very different things i think someone that it's at the table is like very likely to rage knowing that person is like this guy's gonna rage they're gonna be salty that's a form of knowledge but the real wisdom is more like well i know that if x happens this is why this person might get triggered by it or they might get salty over it because let's say jimmy lost to milling because of craig once he's always going to be having that in the back of his head. So like that is more wisdom about a situation than knowledge of just knowing like, oh yeah, this happened and this happened and this happened. Wisdom is like, what do I need to take out of this situation to understand what is the real intent of someone's emotions here? And like we said, like if you're able to disassociate yourself and look at it as a gamer, as someone that can analyze it a little more, not in like a robotic way, you're still a human at the end of it. You're going to be able to understand a lot more by removing yourself from the situation than sort of diving deeper into it. There's the, there is this uh, philosophy or this idea in sort of decision making or 
I don't know what to call it, but where more knowledge actually hurts your decision making. So there's a famous book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, and he talks about um, it basically involves decision making and how there are certain circumstances where having less time to make the decision actually makes people make better decisions than having a lot more time right. and a lot more data. There was a famous thing where it's famously hard to tell if someone's having a heart attack. Um, and, mm. and one of the things when you go into a hospital is they'll like ask you a million questions da, 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 to try and figure out like, are, do you have a history of diabetes? Do you have a history right. of heart disease? Do What's you happening? Yeah. Are you short of breath? Blah, blah, blah. And they found that I'm going to, I'm going to mess up the details here, but what they basically found was that a questionnaire with less questions on it was more effective at determining whether somebody was having a heart attack than a questionnaire uh. with more questions on it. And because it, the extra questions were actually muddying the water and creating false positives mm -hmm. and they really with taking things away, they were more wise about it because they were getting to the root of like, no, actually a lot of things you think matter don't. These are the three questions that actually tell you if somebody's more likely to be right. having a heart attack. And, <laughs> and when they figured that out, they were able to diagnose them a lot better now than they, than they used to be. Yeah, there's something I've been reading about too, which is the idea of choice exhaustion, which is we as humans add or give ourselves a lot of choices every day. Wake up in the morning, what am I gonna wear? Uh, are these socks clean? Add this t-shirt, is it cold out? Yada, yada. And you'll find that a lot of the high power executives do something where they get rid of as many choices as possible. They'll have their outfit picked Steve out. Steve Jobs famously, right, only had black turtlenecks like in his closet. Like he didn't want to waste any brain power on what he was going to wear that day. He yeah. was like, nope, I'm going to buy 50 of these. I know I'm wearing that every day. And now that's off my plate and I can use my brain for other stuff. Yeah, and they'll say that like by the end of the day, you've made so many choices that it's easy to make bad choices because it's easier to fall prey to just easy answers. And that's why sometimes you'll binge really disgusting food late at night because it's like, ah, I don't want to think about it. Oh, I'm, yeah, like like a couple weeks ago, we were trying to get game nights done. We were on the crunch time and, you know, working late every single night. And I know this about myself, which is when I get in that situation, I'm just going to eat pizza or burgers or the worst possible thing because I don't have the willpower left over yeah. to fight against my <laughs> normal like tendency, which is like, yeah, of course you want like the fattiest, grossest food. And it's just like, I, yeah, I don't have any mental, mental uh, ability left to fight that. So that tells you that like it's an exhaustible resource and you should be like not just wasting it away on stupid yeah. stuff. Yeah. So maybe wisdom is just about learning how to remove some of the choices you're making every day so you can just be smarter overall. It's super counterintuitive though, because we were brought up in a society and a way of thinking and and, you know, a lot of things tell you, like, the more information you have, the better informed you'll be. And therefore, mm -hmm. your choices will be better. And then sometimes maybe in commander games, to bring it back to magic, you know, you need to make the choice like, no, but I'll feel better if I play this now. I don't know why, you know. Right. And a lot of times uh, that book, Malcolm Gladwell's Blink, he kind of came down saying, like, a lot of times that feeling within you if you analyze it, it might make you second guess it, but it's actually correct. And it's it, your brain has calculated a whole bunch of stuff and given you that feeling yeah. and you should lean into it and trust that like my brain has a bunch of reasons. And I, you know, the more I think about those, the more likely I am to disregard it. Just go with it. Some, sometimes, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Everything in this, in this episode is sometimes not always. All right. Last quote, uh, to sort of bring it all together. Be careful what you water your dreams with. Water them with worry and fear, and you will produce weeds that choke the life from your dream. Water them with optimism and solutions, and you will cultivate success. Always be on the lookout for ways to turn a problem into an opportunity for success. Always be on the lookout for ways to nurture your dream. And I think this is something that is what the command zone is in a lot of ways and goes for playgroups as well. Like what you provide into a situation, a workplace situation, a gameplay situation is more than just words. You know, if a plant is thirsty and you give it water, you are 
bringing it life. And we do that, I think, in all of our interactions with playgroups, with friends, with coworkers and all that stuff. And what you put into something is what you're going to get out of it. So sow the right seeds, put the right water in, and don't fill it with your own prejudices or your own worries and fears, because that's what you're going to get out of the other side. Hmm. Really interesting. Water them with optimism and solutions, and you will cultivate success. Yeah, being solution-oriented is such a big part of being successful, I think. Yeah. Not being worry and fear-oriented. It's so, so, so easy to look at problems and react to them as if you're scared about this or you're worried about that. Put all that away. How do you clear the hurdle? Mm -hmm. You jump. What if I fall? What if I trip? I'll tell you what, that might happen. You'll never clear the hurdle if you don't jump. Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me of the StarCraft thing too, right? <laughs> They're not building their armies with worries and fears that they might that someone might see what's happening. They're just doing it with the solution and they know they can do it the best and most optimally. And as a result, they are able to win from that position. Really cool stuff. I love episodes like these. You know, one thing in the past, uh, people have suggested some books and philosophies that we should do this with. Now, obviously, we have to have some base knowledge. Jimmy had a lot of knowledge about Taoism before we started this, so that helps us a lot. But, you know, emails from you and suggestions from you can sort of, in our heads, remind us, like, oh, yeah, I've read that, or oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, so if you have any suggestions about sort of historical pieces of literature, documents, events that you think we should maybe in the future take and, you know, do this kind of exercise with, yeah, yeah, then we'd love to hear from you. Yep. And let us know what you think about Taoism and Confucianism and all the other topics we've talked about in the past. Uh, if you interpret any of these texts differently or maybe have a story, I love when people have great stories that apply to these quotes. Let us know in the comments. You can tweet at us. You can talk to us on Instagram or Facebook. So let us know. And again, yes, like Josh said, if you have any other philosophies, religions, texts that we should take a look at, please, please, please let us know. And of course, you're probably going to want to play magic now. You're probably going to bring all of these lessons right in and be like, you know what? I'm going to approach my playgroup tonight and I'm going to be a, a, a better player because of all of this extra wisdom and knowledge. You're going to be the water flowing downhill. Yeah, downhill, yeah. downhill humility. Yeah. yeah, cannot be stopped. You find every crevice. <laughs> so if you want to buy some cards that reflect this mentality or maybe do a Taoism-based deck, that'd be, so, that'd be interesting, eh, right? Jess guy, probably. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and check it doesn't out. have green, actually. So mm. is that a failure on... You know what? There's always a way to make it work with magic, right? <laughs> yeah, There's that's true. always a way to make it work. So check out cardkingdom.com slash commandzone for all of your magic card needs. Singles, sleeves, play mats, deck boxes, everything that you want to play Magic the Gathering is there, and it will ship to you super fast. We love our friends over at Card Kingdom. Again, all you have to do is type in cardkingdom.com slash commandzone, and you're using the affiliate link, and you're off to the races. And don't forget about our other sponsor, Ultra Pro. They make all of the awesome accessories and items that protect and spice up your battlefield. I love this playmat. And make it look sweet. Jimmy's holding up the Perforos playmat from Ultra Pro with the Constellation art. Some of the best art we've seen in the last few years, for oh, yeah. sure. Uh, you can get all of that stuff at your local gaming store, store at big box retailers, at online retailers. Ultra Pro is everywhere because they are the biggest and best in the business, and they really will keep all your stuff protected. All right. All right. Now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Hmm. Do you have anything? Uh, okay. Well, we just talked about it a little bit before the show. Oh, yeah. Um, so this show's been around for a little while, but uh, I found myself with a day off and a little bit of time, and I've been meaning to watch it. So I binged um, not quite an entire season of 
The Man in the High Castle, which is on Amazon Prime, and it's based on a Philip K. Dick story. He's the same one that wrote like Minority Report and mm-hmm. a bunch of... Uh, Philip K. Dick has done a million things that turned into movies and <laughs> TV shows and stuff. Uh, really interesting writer. But it's about this alternate reality. It's set in the 1960s in on the continent of North America, but as if the Germans and the Japanese won World War II Whoa. and they split up the United States and are occupying it. So the Japanese have the Western part of the U.S. and the Germans and the Nazis have the Eastern part. And around like the Rocky Mountains is where they split. And uh, anyway, it's a cool alternate future cool pseudo history of course, it's right up my alley. Um, yeah. Type of show, uh, but it's really well done, well shot, well acted, well written, and um, yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's, that's kind of like why I liked Watchmen so much too, is because they also have a somewhat similar idea. Whereas, what if X happened instead of this? And Watchmen, I finally just finished recently. This the season. Oh, you liked it's it? So great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you're right. They they feel very similar because they're in an alternate version of our reality. It's similar but not the same. As if like, oh, but what if these two little events in history were slightly different or whatever, yeah. It's great. It gives you a nice, like, lens to relook at history at from and actually learn some lessons about modernity as well. It's yeah. fun stuff. So, Man in the High Castle, it's on Amazon Prime. There's a f- number of seasons out now. I'm still on the first one, so sorry right. I'm late to the party, but it's still cool. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, this is, we live in they, a great day and age you. where, like, let's say uh, 20 years ago, I could be like, I just discovered the show Lost or whatever, and you'd be like, okay, well, you kind of have to start on season five, because that's where they are right now. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, like yeah. everyone's talking about it. Yeah. So you gotta do it now. <laughs> but now you can just be like, no, on demand. I could catch up in you know a few weeks. And, beauty. Yeah. You can also on demand our website at YouTube.com/slash The Command Zone Podcast. Any podcast you ever want to see, it's all there because of our editing, graphics, and logistics team. So a big thank you to Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Alfred Estaga, Terry Robertson, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Sam Waldo, and Manton Lung. Whoo, whoo. Our team is getting so long that it's like half of the show now just to say all their names. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, they do, they do great work. So thanks to everybody for putting everything together. And also special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the living cart animations that start and begin every one of our episodes and also are in the windows behind us. You can find Jeffrey on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. And he's actually been posting recently some videos of the different animations he's done for us in the window. So if you want to yeah. see those things by themselves without Jimmy and I in the picture, at Living Cards MTG on Twitter. All right, thank you everybody for watching, and we will see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. 
Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.